what the carbon markets are, are created for is to be able to fund projects all around the world to promote that decarbonization. Like imagine, to put an example, let's say a reforestation project in Colombia. And then I am a transportation company in Spain that I have operations in Colombia and I want to compensate my operations in Colombia. So I go there and I like that project, I select it, I make a cart on the number of tons that I have previously calculated. I purchase, I pay my card, credit card, PayPal or transfer, wire transfer. And then the developer receives the money, cancels the certificate in the registry and sends their certificate to your email. So basically what we want is the developer selling for the price they understand is the best for them. So that brings the best prices in the platform for the corporates and transparency that the money is going to that pocket. It's like selling, as we say in Spain, is selling directly from the farmer to the table. No? We come to mix and to put together the traditional world with the crypto world in order to be able to support projects through the democratization of climate change. Welcome to Mindful Businesses presented by Sarani and I'm your host, Vidya Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands that are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic and environmental practices. Francisco Benedict Valentin, the founder of Climate Trade, helps us navigate on this episode a very topical feature of carbon offsets. Carbon offsets, simply put, are when a company or individual pays through a developer who have on their portfolio conservation projects, such as paying a farmer in the Amazon not to cut down trees for farming. As a fintech company, they help their customers calculate accurately their carbon footprint and connect them to the carbon marketplace. Climate Trade engages with medium and small developers and connects them to the wide range of customers, may they be airlines, transportation companies doing the last mile delivery, technology companies, or companies in the financial sector. You may have come across at the checkout of many websites where you can opt to buy carbon offsets to offset your carbon footprint. How do you know the couple of bucks that you paid, the two, five dollars additional that you paid to an airline company actually goes to the conservation projects? And how do you know that your offset is not resold to multiple customers? Climate Trade using the blockchain technology assures you of complete transparency. You can pick the development project and they give you a certificate to assure you that your carbon offset is not resold in the marketplace. Let's learn more about this fascinating topic from Francisco Benedito Valentin, founder of Climate Trade. He joins us from Valencia, Spain. Welcome, Fran. Thank you so much for having me here today. Now, is better than no time before for us as consumers, as entrepreneurs, as overall human beings on this planet Earth to implement sustainable practices. There are two ways we can approach it, reduce our emissions, and the second is by offsetting our carbon footprint. If you had to pick the top three activities 
that are the main contributors of CO2, what would they be? Like basically today, obviously we are looking towards decarbonization in all different sectors, but obviously oil and gas is one of the principal ones, transportation. And then it could be a spread between fashion and other sectors that, that are polluting, but also construction is very important. In very non-technical terms, can you tell us what are carbon offsets? How do they work? Carbon offsets were created in order to be able to fund decarbonization. So there are countries, it was originated for that, there are countries that do not have, let's say, the, the enough uh, capabilities in terms of funding to decarbonize their economies. So there are companies all around the world and governments that need to achieve carbon neutrality and now with the Paris Agreement achieving net zero. So basically what we are doing is what the carbon markets are, are created for is to be able to fund projects all around the world to promote that decarbonization. So basically for the people to understand is like green projects, let's say reforestation, afforestation, renewable projects in the initial part. Imagine that you are sourcing your energy from carbon, from coal, from other uh, contaminant, uh, let's say, sources, and you can substitute that for renewables. So at the very beginning, when this started in 1997, we needed to fund that renewables and the carbon credits are a way to do it. So each carbon credit is one ton of CO2. Mm -hmm. And so whenever the companies measure their carbon footprint or the citizens measure their carbon footprint, they can offset by buying these tons of CO2 mitigated in other places in the world so they can compensate the carbon footprint. So very simplistically put, a friend of mine explained it to me. He said, if I wanted to offset my personal carbon footprint based on a flight I took to, say, Spain, mm -hmm. I could reach out to these organizations which have green projects, for instance, and pay maybe farmer in the Amazon not to cut trees. Is that accurate? That's exactly the essence of what we are talking about. No, Basically, imagine that we need to go from Spain to, let's say, US, no? and I need to fly, obviously, because I need to get at the right time there. No, So basically, I have a carbon footprint of that flight. I need to calculate first that carbon footprint, and then exactly I'm an offsetting, I'm buying that let's say, that mitigation or that reduction that is happening in other parts of the world. That's why we created that. You are, we, what we do is we bring that developers all around the world in order for you to be able to deposit that money directly to them and to make a direct impact. I mean, so you have transparency and traceability that your funds are going towards directly to the projects. So you have full transparency and traceability of where your funds are going. So you know that you are generating an impact. That's what we have to do, no? How do you find these projects? Where well, we source them from, I mean, we've been working on this with the, the, the part of the team we are is people with more than 15 years experience, each of them on this. We've been working with developers all around the world, big corporations that also, let's say renewable corporations or companies that aside of their pure business, they have that type of projects that are more environmental friendly to say somehow that generate impact. And we engage with these companies, medium-sized developers, even small developers that are, imagine that they were before selling wood and now they decided not to sell wood and just to make a conservation project and keep their forest without being cut. No? Mm -hmm. And they develop this project and issue the credits that then we sell to, to third parties. Really difficult part of this equation is measurement. How do you measure it? It's not that difficult. I mean, basically, it is more complicated when there is an, a big 
conglomerate or corporation that has a, a lot of operations and different sources of carbon, let's say of, of footprint. No, Basically, there are, depending on the sector, and there are three scopes, always scope one, scope two, scope three. The one is regarding your own operations. Imagine oil and gas, let's say extraction would be scope one. Mm-hmm. And second, scope two is regarding energy consumption. Imagine the energy you are consuming in your offices, that would be in your scope two, uh, because it has a carbon footprint. You are burning fossil fuels or not, depending on that, you have one footprint or other. And the third one is depending of your, I like to call it third parties, your providers, your customers, and your employees. And that's the scope three. So then you have to measure all that in order to see which is your carbon footprint. If your providers are not carbon neutral, you will have to put that on your balance as a company. No? And in terms of citizens, it is very easy. I mean, you have to see your energy consumption, your transportation, your recycle or don't recycle, your diet, many things that you have to measure in order to that. But there are calculators to do that. Let our listeners know who would be a typical customer for climate trade. Climate trade is working with a wide array of companies throughout the world. We work with the financial sector, banks, We work with transportation, not only trucks and physical transportation and also last mile transportation, cargo shipping. We have airlines as a customers. And imagine, for example, we have, when I told you, know, we work with telco companies, telecommunication companies also. But through these companies, we go also to the end user. No? For example, we don't only do B2B. I mean, we don't only sell to that corporations, but also we use, they want to offer their products and services carbon neutral. So with our technology, we are capable to sell phones carbon neutral. So you can offset when you buy a phone or an electronic. Even when you go to put gas in your car in the gas station, you are able to compensate that exact refilling of your car. Mm-hmm. Or even when you go to a bank and you can offset your purchases with your credit card monthly. So to clarify, say I'm Shell Corporation, I can offset my carbon footprint by using climate trade. And as a consumer, when I go to fill gas, I can also offset my consumption. Yes, because at the end you are deciding to drive a diesel car or a petrol car. So if you are conscious of, about the environment and you did, you say, okay, I have this car, I'm not driving an electric car or a hydrogen car, I'm driving a diesel car, but still I don't want to pollute. I mean, you are polluting with your car, so I decide to offset that pollution that I'm emitting by, let's say, putting my a small part of that carbon I'm emitting, so I compensate in projects all around the world, so I'm not doing that harm to the environment. So I decide to use your platform. So what is the credit risk that climate trade is taking? Like basically, if you use our platform, you are buying directly from the developers. We are not buying and selling to you. I mean, you are the good part is that we put in, in front of each other companies with the developers all around the world. So we just get a fee per the transaction you develop, you do. And basically we don't take credit risk on that. So you registered with the in the US and other countries that you operate in? We operate internationally. And so what we do is the developer uploads the project in Climatrade. They showcase their project, like imagine, to put an example, let's say a reforestation project in Colombia. And then I am a transportation company in Spain that I have operations in Colombia and I want to compensate my operations in Colombia. So I go there and I like that project, I select it, I make a cart 
on the number of tones that I have previously calculated. I purchase, I pay by card, credit card, PayPal, or transfer, wire transfer. And then the developer receives the money, cancels the certificate in the registry, and sends their certificate to your email. So how do you ensure that this specific project does not fail? Basically, we make an extra due diligence of every project that is uploaded to the platform. We don't allow everyone. We make a validation of the projects that want to be in our platform. So basically, we know the developers. We make a KYC and due diligence that that developer is the owner of that project that is being uploaded in Climate Trade. And then we secure that that credits are really under their name in the registries. We have accounts, obviously, in the registries. Mm-hmm. And then whenever they upload it, we know that they have that amount they are selling. And obviously, they don't receive the transfer until they provide the, the certificates. There are carbon exchanges all around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Explain to our listeners, how do carbon exchanges operate? Well, there are different types. No? Until now, normally the market was being operated by brokers, and still it is. In the, most of the, the percentage of, of the operations in the world are managed by brokers. So basically the carbon markets that are around the world are more trading platforms and are being used mainly by brokers that they then sell to the corporations like the traditional way. What we brought is two innovations, no? I mean, the, the added value of showcasing projects with marketing materials. I mean, you can see the project where you want to select for your company to in order to offset. Mm-hmm. So it is not just a number of the number of tones and that one project has. It is more detailed information about what you are buying. And second, we provide blockchain technology in order to provide transparency and traceability where the money is going. You know that it goes to the developer and how much it goes to the developer because it's not about only offsetting. It's about generating positive impact and generating the right price for the developer. Because if not, maybe he cannot maintain their operations and then we are not doing any good for the planet because they won't be able to maintain properly the project or generate new projects. If I take this and use the analogy of the stock exchange, either you trade directly on the stock exchange or you use investment houses to do it for you, is that a good comparison? Yeah, I mean, but it is not a commodity. Like it can be, for example... There are two types of markets. There is the mandatory and the voluntary. We are talking about voluntary here. We operate in both, but we started with the voluntary. And this is the one that we are one of the main operators, one of the main platforms. So basically, in the voluntary market, there are projects that are uploaded. No, and it is not just like a, we are not buying shares of Tesla, and that it is everyone is the same. No. We are buying uh, units in a project, okay, which, yeah, they are the same, that units, but they have particularities of depending on the year, depending on... And so each project is unique. And, I mean, if you are compensating 2021 for your operations in 2021, maybe you don't want to buy one offset generated in 2003. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, you want to generate them. Depending on that, they have a price or other, no? More or less price, no? Also, there are particularities on the type of project there is. It's not the same value for a renewable project than than a reforestation project. It's not the same, the value for a project in China than in a project in the Amazonia. There are particularities, no? So it is not like a commodity that can be like that easily sold, which normally it was, but... I think that we have, there are some intangibles in every project that need to be showcased 
and they need to be understood. No, today I was talking to one of the registries and standards more important in the world, preparing one panel, and they determine all the SDGs that are in every project that give more value to that type of project. No, there's a lot of matchmaking that needs to take place, which is sort of the service that you offer. Yes, that's why we created the marketplace also. But at the same time, we add value with our team. So we have a lot of expertise in the carbon markets. And we advise also in the companies which are the best offsets they need to buy in order to not only compensate, but in order to avoid the greenwashing, in order to be able to generate a positive impact and being able to communicate that positive impact they are generating to their customers. Mm-hmm. It's very relevant. Today, the consumers are prosumers, and you as a consumer, you have a lot to say in order to for your company, let's say, to bring to your hands the product that you desire. And the product you desire is one product that it is not contaminant, no? or at least every time less contaminant, no? because obviously we have sectors that they cannot be, let's say, net zero or pure, let's say, that avoiding that contamination, because imagine airlines, we don't have a way to transform today the airline in a sector not contaminant because the hydrogen planes will take time to come, no? And the biofuels, the engines today cannot assume to have 100% biofuel, no? And the price of that biofuel could be too expensive for our pockets to be flying them. That takes time. I mean, what is important is to have common sense in terms of the companies, what they are doing. They need to have it in their mindset. Every time more the investors and the world is demanding from CEOs and from the boards of the companies common sense, and they are demanding people that they have the clear idea that they want to change the way their company is behaving towards the planet. And on that side, that's something there's no other way. I mean, there's just moving forward and that's going to be like that. I mean, you can be a CEO that you don't believe in climate change. You won't be longer CEO at some point because your company is going to take you out because your company wants to keep selling their product. And at the end, your consumer is going to demand you that. No, The service that you provide kind of inhibits the companies from going directly and buying the carbon credit from various public exchanges. How much does climate trade charge for these services? Basically, climate trade, compared to traditional brokers, is much, much cheaper because in terms of savings of more than 50% compared to traditional brokers, because you are buying directly from the source. You are buying, buying directly from the developer. So normally, the traditional operations had a, a charge in the voluntary, like a spreads, sometimes even more than 100%. Mm -hmm. And now, and and even imagine the traders like buying, stocking, and then waiting for the right time to sell their product or not selling in order to make the price to go up or even the double counting we were saying, saying several times, same credit. So basically what we want is the developer selling for the price they understand is the best for them. So that brings most the best prices in the platform for the corporates and transparency that the money is going to that pocket. So at the end, is offering the meant also like in other places, but you have at least directly. It's like selling, as we say in Spain, is selling directly from the farmer to the table. No? So if I am a corporation, the valuation probably changes over time, right? How do I know the valuation is? Do I get a monthly statement? I'm comparing these to like 
just a simple stock buying stocks or you know some other forms of not really investment but some other commodities that are traded there are some references in the market for value of voluntary market there are some in the standard and poor's plats and there are even softwares that are coming up now in terms of valuing transactions and how the market is evolving we have a reference in europe in the mandatory which is in my opinion is not a let's say accurate reference today but is approximate today we are looking at europe is 80 euros a ton but is in the mandatory market that doesn't happen in the voluntary in the voluntary we are talking about prices around 50 dollars a ton more or less in the mitigation credits. And if you go to high quality and carbon removals, we would be talking more than $25 more or less. No? That's uh, growing in terms of like the demand has grown a lot. And, and obviously the prices are, has been going up also. Probably since we started, it's been up fivefold in, since 2017 more or less. Mm-hmm. And consider that when we started in 2017, mandatory in Europe was around nine euros a piece. Now is 81. The, the growth is exponential and it's going to keep growing. No, so basically there are some references in the markets, but and soon we will have more tools to provide that and to provide uh, accurate prices on what is happening no? in the market. When did you start climate trade? What was the first beta version of climate trade was 2018. We created a, the first platform then, and that year we were recognized by the UN as the best solution in the world for the carbon markets. Let's say the new carbon markets now, post-2020, which is the kickoff of Paris Agreement, where it was approved this year, last year in, in Glasgow. No? That was the, the initial year when we started to knock at the door of the companies. And prior to that, you were a banker? Yes, I was. I was. Uh, well, I've been entrepreneur very young. I created my first company when I was 16. Then I it came the bubble of the dot com 90s, uh, and then I sold the company and I started to business and law, law and business. And I made an MBA and I started to work with one of the leading tech banks in the world for 15 years. And then I embraced blockchain at the very beginning when the Bitcoin came out. Well, I became one of the let's say, first practitioners of blockchain to say somehow. And well, from there, I I created Climate Coin in 2016. I created the, the concept Climate Coin, the first tokenized carbon credit in the world. It was too early for us, but it was great because we learned a lot about what was coming. And now we are like, that's why we are innovating constantly in climate trade. And also we have the the concept and the brand of Climate Coin that we are relaunching this year in April, in the Earth Day. Yeah, that was pretty much the story. So what is Climate Coin? You said you're going to relaunch it this spring. Climate Coin is a tokenized carbon credit. So basically the people will be able to purchase a ton of CO2 and have it in their phone, in their wallet. They will be able to offset their carbon footprint thanks not only citizens, but also corporations, they will be able to, to offset their carbon footprint by buying Climate Coin. And at the same time, they will be able to hold it. And let's say, experiment the increase on prices on carbon over years. So Climate Coin is a, a way of, it has a multiple applications, no? But basically will be, like it is something that mixes the traditional, I mean, like the, most of the people are not common to, let's say, crypto, no? There's a small percentage of the world population that, that know, obviously everyone heard about Bitcoin, pretty much everyone, but 
we need to bring it to with a we have the brand climate coin and everyone can understand what a climate coin may be you know we come to mix and to put together the traditional world with the crypto world in order to be able to support projects through the democratization of climate change i see a contradiction here cryptocurrencies use up so much energy with their proof of work their pows we don't work with proof of work we do, we work with proof of stake <laughs> that's why i told you the great part of being the being the first in the world doing this my comp my partners and i is that we learn a lot no you can say whatever but you will learn you make mistakes you may you have learnings no and so basically we've been working we started with only ethereum and bitcoin and well probably another ones monero and not many others and not some others mm-hmm. but we keep moving until we found we are working today with algorand with this proof of stake and the less polluting blockchain worldwide we have uh, created a algorithm that allows that blockchain to be compensated the transactions to be compensated real time so it's net today is carbon yet carbon negative but we are working to make it carbon negative it's carbon neutral and today we are happy to say that we use a blockchain that doesn't do the opposite whenever you use it no i mean because not everyone can say that no so i couldn't be doing my business selling something tokenized that in the other side would be polluting more no i would be having to buy to give two offsets not one no so explain to our listeners who are very new to the crypto world what is proof of work first and what is proof of stake so let's start with what is proof of work proof of work is a uh, whenever you generate a cryptocurrency like bitcoin for example you need to make there is a software that allows you to make some type of transactions and you have to generate some algorithms some transactions in your computer some calculations that your computer needs to do in order to be able to issue one coin no that issuance of that coin is called mining it's like if you were mining no that's the proof of work because you are working to generate that that miners that are called the people that are generating that coins they validate the transactions on the network mm-hmm. so every time that that you need to issue one transaction in a blockchain you need to have a validation by a validator no and that generates energy a lot of consumes energy energy consumption no and that's because this whole process is decentralized yes we don't have like a central bank doing it uh, exactly there are individuals here validating that what is given is a genuine coin correct basically it is a a system that requires a work by some validator that some user let's say that later the network will validate no i mean at the end is a decentralized network for the audience to understand i mean blockchain is chain of blocks no so you generate when you generate data and you register it in blockchain you generate a block and then you generate more blocks that you pro- it, that's what is called blockchain no the, the the blockchain is a decentralized let's say imagine servers all around the world spread and all the servers has the same data registered on that servers no that's what called nodes no that's proof of work no proof of stake it is a must you don't require that calculations to be made in like by all the members of the that validators are working there why does proof of stake not require this validation is a new approach that what it permits it is a distributed consensus 
between the network. It is not about generating that calculations to be able to issue that coin. At the end, that coin is based on another system that doesn't have to be generated that calculations, and obviously it consumes less energy. Are these validators pre-approved? That validators are pre-approved by the network, of course. Let's say that they have an algorithm that select the verification or the verificator of the next block. I mean, it's something automated. It's not that someone centralized decides who is going to be the validator. The way I look at it, I'm trying to make it easy for people who do not live in your world to understand. We had Wikipedia where which substituted the Britannica encyclopedia who mm-hmm. held all the centralized knowledge. Then Wiki came along where everybody could throw all their information. And initially, it was verified and audited and monitored by individuals all over. Now, you have validators for Wikipedia. Then you have Wiki experts who monitor different sites. Would that be a very, very simplistic example or a comparison? You can say no, but I'm just thinking. In my opinion, you could say that it's not the same. I mean, obviously, it's not in the comparison. I mean, at the end, the comparison is you had your servers in one place. It will be easily attacked, easily the data modified and erased, let's say somehow. Now you have your data in different multiple servers, let's say nodes, okay? Mm -hmm. And that data, the same data is immutable because it is in the different, the multiple servers on that blockchain, The public blockchain, there are public blockchains and private blockchains, and each player can imagine, I have nodes in several blockchains. So um, as a company, I have a node in different associations of blockchain that they have their private semi-public blockchain. And But the data is, let's say, the custodian is with one server. There's another person with another server, but the data is the same that I have, it's the same da- data that that person has. If Imagine that I, I have a hack, that data is not lost, and that data is secure, no? And also is in order to accreditate public information and public data. And imagine registering one property, no? It can be one use case, no? For blockchain. So Climate Trade primarily is a technology company? It is an environmental fintech, yes. I saw on your website you have an API which can be used to compute carbon offsets. So is that similar to, say, a Chrome extension that I could add, like? Yes, exactly. In fact, we are working on a Chrome extension <laughs> for that, no? Yes, for the people to understand, what it allows is that you can get our technology. Let's say, let's get our offsets and put them in any product or service that you are buying. So the companies can connect to the API, and that API allows to make calculations of carbon footprint and can make compensations and issuing certificates for you as, a, as an end user. So I can put you an example. You can buy a flight. Imagine Iberia. Before the COVID, we were working with Iberia on that. We developed the system. And then you go, you calculate your carbon footprint as a, your flight from Madrid to, let's say, Brazil. And it tells you, okay, this is two tons of CO2. And then... The system makes a call and they bring the price for that tones to be offset and gives you as a user, a, like if you put up extra bank, no? So you say now, okay, this is the price for the two tons of CO2 that your flight is contaminating. Do you want to offset? You say yes, you add it to your total. 
And then our API allows to bring a certificate that accreditates that you, as a user, you are offsetting whatever you decided. Imagine in the Brazil Amazonia, that you offset two tones, that you pay that price, that that price, that money went how much to my pocket and how much to the developer. And that is all registered in blockchain, so it's public. Not under your name, but it's public, the data. So you click to the link and you can see it. One of our previous guests had a product called EcoCart, which is very popular in the United States. Have you heard of them? Yes, I heard of them. How are you different than EcoCart? When you buy with EcoCart, I tried it several times. The calculation of the CO2 that I'm, whatever the product I'm buying is not too accurate. I even put China, the shipping to China, and then I changed the shipping to US and the price was the same. So that's one first thing that should be accurate or at least more accurate. Second thing, I don't know where my, if the credits are somewhere or not. I mean, they say they offset, but I cannot have any way to guarantee that, no? I mean, we do totally opposite. We give you a certificate where your money goes, in which project, and we guarantee you that that project has been canceled in the registry. So there is no double counting, which is the problem that killed the carbon markets in the past, no? We need to have that transparency in the carbon markets now because then you find places that I talked to some companies that are not longer in the market that they were saying, man, it happens to me that I sell a lot of offsets and then I go to buy them to the brokers and there are no offsets anymore of that project. He got the money from the people, he told the people they were offsetting and now he cannot buy the offsets, no? So that's not a nice thing, no? And that's something that we cover totally, no? I mean, we have very clear that from the beginning that our customer needs to know where their money is going. If not, you get, you feel scammed, no? So that happened to me when I was flying with one airline in the past. This case was Ryanair. Paid five euros. I didn't know where my money went. They just said they were offsetting my carbon footprint. I don't know where my money went. I didn't receive any certificate, any email, nothing. So where did my five euros go? Did I generate any positive impact in the planet or they just took my money, no? I get the same feeling when I'm trying to ship, let's say UPS or FedEx, there is a checkbox to say, do you want to make this shipment carbon neutral? My first instinct is to check the box. I'm like, okay, it's a couple of dollars. It's fine. Yes. But I have the same suspicion. So what are you doing with my $2? It's not much, but over time. and I mean, I was talking to one of the marketing heads of one of the biggest hotel chains in the world. They say, Frank... We are moving towards a total transparency to my customers. I, my customer wants to know that the orange that they are consuming in the breakfast, we need to know where it comes from. I need to know where it comes from. And if I'm in Spain and they have oranges and they are coming from South Africa or something, and maybe they don't like that, no? I, they need to know that. Mm-hmm. And it is just the main difference of telling the customer what they are buying, no? Because they need to deserve to know what they are buying. This is the same, no? Climate trade is able to be transparent because you use blockchain? Yeah, we use blockchain to accreditate the transparency. At the end, I don't need to hide nothing, no? So what I tell you is I show you, but imagine I could tell you that the money is going to the pocket of the developer and you could believe me or not. What I'm telling you is, look, this is a transfer in blockchain that I made to the developer and this is registered in a blockchain. This is how much money the developer received on this transaction. Say I'm hosting an event, which seems still not that easy to do because we are still in a pandemic. 
Yeah. I would come to you, Climate Trade, and I say, Fran, I'm hosting this conference where 500 people are flying from all over the world. How do I, as the organizer, compute my carbon footprint? Well, there are calculators for events, no? So basically, you would take all the data. There is a calculator where that asks you the questions on how many people is coming, how the people is coming, how many people are flying from outside. Are you putting meat in the reception? How much power, energy the reception is consuming? How many days? All that, no? And then you have a data. And then you have your number of carbon of CO2. Do you and your staff... Are you constantly buying carbon credits for your everyday consumption and the flights you take or the energy that you use? We do per year, no? Basically, obviously, we always use our customers. This is obviously my coffee is Lavazza because we work with Lavazza and my transportation in Spain is Cabify because today is one is my customer. So I work with Cabify and once I get a Cabify, I know how much is my CO2 with my trip. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do it because I already installed that technology on Cabify, you know. But basically, yeah, we calculate all the carbon footprint during all the year, and then at the end of the year, we compensate that carbon footprint ourselves. How many employees does Climate Trade have? Basically, we are 30 people today, but we are working on opening operations in two countries in the first quarter and other two countries in the second quarter. We will be growing a lot, like probably we are hiring two persons per week today. I don't know, probably at the end of the year, we are more than 50 people. I love the concept of the carbon offsets, but is there a moral hazard for companies, for consumers who will not reduce their carbon footprint, but just say, okay, I'm going to buy these offsets? You possibly are an enabler for these sort of companies, right? That's not going to be possible anymore. I mean, at the end... Consider that the governments have a target of achieving carbon neutrality by 2050. Some of them, they took a little bit more of time because they are huge. Imagine China or India, no? that they took more than 2050. No? But at the end, uh, corporations are going to be pushed to achieve carbon neutrality and to do proper things in terms of a strategy towards uh, carbon neutrality. It won't be the possibility because their consumers won't be consuming their products. The society will be pushing that companies. The governments will be demanding efforts from them. Imagine in in Europe already there is a regulation that uh, companies of more than 250 employees, they have to report about sustainability every year. Mm -hmm. So you need to say your carbon footprint of that year and what did you do to reduce that carbon footprint. So it is a step before that it's mandatory for you to at least establish a proper plan to achieve carbon neutrality in a certain... I mean, every company needs to establish a plan to say, I'm going to be carbon neutral in 2035, 2040, because obviously they need to change processes and become more efficient. All companies know that they have to do it. There are other countries that are more advanced, like, for example, France is doing this already for more than seven, eight years, no, in the companies, no, even 10 years, no, in a decade, no. I remember my first panel in the UN was with one chemical company from France that that was 2017, and they were already making provisions in their balance sheet three times the price of carbon, no, and in a high price of carbon, no. So imagine. Climate trade is part of the American Sustainable Business Council. Yes. And that council is very active in bringing about 
policy changes. Mm-hmm. How important is it for a company to be active in bringing the policy change? How engaged should you be in this process to actually have impact? We joined last year American Sustainable Business Council. We are very proud of being part of it. American Sustainable Business Council is the most important influential organization in the in the climate space in the US for the companies, thousands of members. And so basically the US it is now focused on climate change. They are putting a lot of efforts on and a lot of in a big program to decarbonize their economy, to switch to 100% renewables. And the companies now understand that and when the start when the United States get to work, that goes fast. And so we are very happy to be part of the organization because there are a lot of people that there you can find the companies in their values that was much before than now it is a political focus, no? So you have companies that are embracing this and that are pushing uh, forward changes no? in, in terms of in their own companies, in their own value chain, in their own processes, and helping change policies at the same time. No? So very proud to be there. The work they are doing is amazing. And yeah, we will keep supporting them. So it's great to belong to this organization with like-minded people who are trying to move the needle What has been the impact of climate trade, if you had to quantify it, in the last four years, three plus years? Well, for us, the most important part is we've been leading innovation on the space. I would like to say, and in the words of one of the top leaders in the environmental space, basically you pushed innovation in the world on the climate space. Basically, we brought innovation and made uh, not only with uh, blockchain, but also in the generation of outcomes directly from the source with digital MRBs. And we brought a change in different organizations that we were part of. We've co-founded the Climate Change Coalition in the United Nations. We've been working in the European Union with supporting and bringing uh, new ideas for, let's say, outcome generations for different initiatives. And, but basically, from Spain, that we were a small company created in Valencia, in Spain, we pushed the corporations in Spain and we helped them learn about how they had to go towards carbon neutrality. So spreading the word and, let's say, bringing that expertise to them. Basically, our brand, I think, that inspired some changes in carbon neutrality because that was, as you said in your last question and two questions before, you were saying... This can be seen as I can pollute and then pay for pollution. No? So I think the narrative, we helped changing the narrative in terms of saying, okay, this is not about paying for pollution. This is about generating positive impact with my change. No? That's what it's all about. No? Climate trade from the beginning is not a marketplace for selling carbon only. It is a way of helping companies to produce, to be more efficient, to fulfill that with technologies that make possible. And at the end, obviously compensate, no? So obviously we have to make the change possible. In the meantime, we have to make money, obviously. If not, uh, we wouldn't be here. But we need to change the way we do things. It is first about calculating, reducing, making more efficient your processes and, and not having that much carbon footprint. So I think that we contributed a lot to that. 
Thank you so much, Francisco. Wishing you all the best for your future. And I hope climate trade continues to impact our world by reducing everybody's carbon footprint. Thank you so much for coming on Mindful Businesses. Thank you so much for inviting me, Vidya. It's been a big pleasure to be with you here today. I hope we have an opportunity to meet in Valencia and go to the Fayez together. For sure. Papaya is waiting for you guys also. And please let me know and with time and then we can organize it for sure. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you again. You're listening to Mindful Businesses hosted and produced by Vidya Ayer. We'd love to hear from you. Send a voice note with your questions or comments to info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. Subscribe, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you learned a thing or two from this episode, share it with one friend. We recorded this podcast in Lafayette, Indiana. Theme music was composed by Tatum Gale. Our marketing assistant is Caitlin Milligan. Our advisors are Jim Stone and Anupama Pashricha. This is Vidya Ayer with Mindful Businesses.